have the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roller with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? They look great in person, and I uh, just can't wait for next year where we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guy's day. It was being ranked. I mean, how do you lose? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. You heard the music, so you know what time it is. It is time for the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, episode 165. Yes, we've done this show 165 times, and that is not including the Viper Bites. That's not including It's Terra Time. That's not including the Primetime Previous or our favorites. If you watch that YouTube video there, if you watch that intro, some of the greatest names in fantasy sports have been on the show as part of our Behind the Grind series, which is coming back here after the Super Bowl. And as always, we are proudly presented by the Fantasy Points Media Group. Head over to fantasypoints.com today, right up into the Super Bowl, and save yourself 30% off that subscription. I can give you a promo code, but it ain't going to give you 30% off like they're doing right now. So do yourself a favor and save yourself some money and get smarter along the way. Now, we're hopefully major, majors here. Tara's coming with us momentarily. Yeah. Hopefully, we will allow you to get a little bit smarter as we progress through the show. We are going to review the divisional round we are going to preview the conference championships and of course we are going to touch on some news and notes from around the league probably talk about the awards more than anything because there's some snubs there's some good players getting some recognition but there's some seriously players getting snubbed from this awards list here early on coach of the year offensive player of the year mvp defensive player of the year no matter how you look at it someone is always always going to get forgotten right major i mean you can't just have 10 people nominated when there's only three finalists there's going to be people that others view as being a little bit higher on their board as it pertains to maybe some of this championship hardware that these players are going to win so without further ado let's kind of talk about one of the hot topic areas here now coach of the year brian dable right we had peterson we had shanahan those guys are all rightful um candidates for this award but we're hearing a lot of guys getting snubbed along the way nick sirianni basically took the eagles with a talented roster but had them with the best record of the national football league and then you had a guy such as dan campbell one of our favorites on the show wasn't even nominated for coach of the year i mean if you're bringing the detroit lions on the brink of the playoffs you have to be considered for the job so let's talk about in your opinion there major of these coaches, Doug Peterson, Mike Shanahan, and Brian Dable, is there one that stands out above the rest, in your opinion, as the clear coach of the year? Or one of these guys that are forgotten, the Nick Sirianni's, the Dan Campbell's? Who do you have winning? I have to go with Doug Peterson, man. Like, what he did out there, taking the worst team to the playoffs, like, making Trevor Lawrence <laughs> look like he was a bust last year, turning him into a real deal with a lot of uh, upside next year, you got to look at Doug Peterson coming fresh off the couch <laughs> into the coaching thing and, and and burning it up. Like, that team looked really good. There's a few good coaches. I like I like what uh, – what's Detroit coach name? My bad. I'm, like, forgetting That's his my name. man. That's our guy there. That's Dan Campbell. Thank you. I'm, I just drew a blank. But Dan Campbell, that – the speeches – Every time he talks, like he's about to cry, makes me want to go play for him. <sighs> to me, it's a toss up between those two, man. Like that turnaround was just fantastic. You want to talk about turnarounds? Brian Dable getting the most out of Daniel Jones, another friend of the show. I mean, Dable, what he did there in the, with the New York Giants is nothing short of miraculous. Was, Basically, the same coaching job as what Doug Peterson did with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Turning that team around after the Urban Meyer era, which only lasted so long there. I mean, basically, it lasted longer. Actually, you know what? The Urban Meyer era there in Jacksonville was actually shorter than a slow dance. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's basically how it, how it shook out there. It's more like a Duval grind. Kyle, a little bit of a grind, a little bump and grind. There you go. Behind <laughs> the grind, a little bump and grinding. Now, 
Mike uh, Kyle Shanahan here, not to be confused for his father, Mike Shanahan. What he did there going through, hey, Trey Lance, he's our quarterback. He's our guy. More on this whole situation a little bit later. And then, okay, you know what? Hey, you know what, Jimmy Garoppolo? Hey, we love you. We, we didn't mean to throw you out. You know what, Brock Purdy? Hey, rock me gently, rock me slowly. Purdy lady, tell me how you do. That's basically Brock. And, and you know what? I went back and I checked our show notes from way back when. I can't remember what my reaction was. But before the season last year, we talked about deep sleepers at the quarterback position. And you, Major, to your credit, I don't know if you recall this, you had Brock Purdy. Yeah, you didn't have a clue. You had, no clue. <laughs> you had Brock Purdy as your deep sleeper quarterback. It's in the show yeah. notes. Literally go back into our show notes because I don't delete anything. Major, he called Brock Purdy as a deep sleeper candidate there for himself back in August, back in July, somewhere back then. Major had everything predicted as to how it would break down there. So kudos to you on that prediction. So Thanks I for bringing that up because I totally forgot. I know I liked him. I didn't know I predicted him. But, yeah, there we go. I, I know what I'm talking about, man. I mean, I don't know if you had him as a top five, but you had him marked down as a deep sleeper entering this season amongst the quarterback rookie class. So I'll mm-hmm. give you that there. I'll give you a little bit of credit. Uh, for me, coach of the year, I would love it. I'm, I'm, I'm leading towards Dan Campbell. I think Brian Dable wins this award. But if Dan mm-hmm. Campbell's not going to be nominated, I want to give my cap to Doug Peterson, much like you have. Like I said, Kyle Shanahan basically ran the table with Brock Purdy as his quarterback. So you can't discredit what he was able to do, even though that 49ers team is talented. You can't discredit what that. Nick Sirianni did there in Philadelphia, even though I think some of these coaches get knocked for having too much talent on their team. And Major, someone who's played the game, sometimes too much talent is a bad thing. You've got to get that chemistry together. It has to work. You can have all the talent in the world. It may not equate to victories. So I want to now talk about things not quite always equating the way you'd like. Sometimes bad things happen to good people, which is why they have the Comeback Player of the Year Award. And the candidates for this, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and Geno Smith. Now, I'm Ooh. automatically going to tip my hat to Geno Smith, who was basically left for dead, right? We no one was talking about Geno Smith. He wasn't even on the books as a possible winner of this award. We knew that Saquon Barkley could have won this award based on what happened last season, coming back from the injury. We knew that Christian McCaffrey was coming back from injury. We didn't even know if Geno Smith would win the quarterback job over Drew Locke way back when. Now, I had a pretty good idea myself based on how Geno Smith had that the ear of that room, so to speak. You knew he was their guy. But for me, Geno Smith is the comeback player of the year. With It may not have been a physical injury, but more than anything, mental. And this guy bit, waited for his time to shine. He waited and waited and waited for an, another opportunity. And when it came, he did not let that pass him by. So you can call it what you want, but if you're if you're making your comeback eight years later, I mean that's a pretty good story. We love Gino on this show, Major. What about you, man? You you pretty much said everything. Like Gino wasn't even on the radar enough to even be considered a bust. Like he wasn't even a thought. He was kind of like a throwaway in that trade and everything as well, and end up being the best player. Oh, he wasn't in a trade. My bad. I'm thinking about the Drew Lock. I thought Drew Lock was gonna be a little bit better. But I knew uh, Gino had a little more uh, – he was a little more seasoned. So I thought he had the the lead in that matchup. Had no clue he would be this guy. Um, but I'm happy for him, man. I, I love players that just stay at it and stay at it, and then it works out. Like, it, you know, hopefully he can continue this for a few more years and and, and get that love he, he should have gotten. Because people forget Gino's a great athlete. Gino's running like a 4-4 tall big arm he had every attribute but a lot of times with these quarterbacks that get drafted to these teams it's it's a crapshoot is i think quarterbacks are like a um i don't know i think they're more like uh you got to fit the right system so i don't want to call them system quarterbacks but like you get a quarterback with a good coach and a good system you're going to get the best out of them and that's just the the recipe for a good quarterback. You can have the greatest quarterback ever. If he's on a sorry team with a sorry coach, you're never going to see his talent. A, a lot like, um, shit, what's Derek Carr's uh, brother's name? Uh, David. 
Yeah, I thought David was going to be one of those guys, but he just got into one of those situations where it never worked out, you know? Well, quarterbacks are like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And it's true. You got you to wait for yourself to get one of those nice little caramel filling type quarterbacks there. <laughs> and, and hope it doesn't get squished behind a poor offensive line or the New York Jets offensive system because we've seen Geno Smith go through that. We've seen Zach Wilson go through that. Heck, Aaron Rodgers seems to think that Zach Wilson's a pretty good quarterback. So we'll talk about that again, too, a little bit later in the show. So for me, Geno Smith, for you, Geno Smith. So I think that's pretty uh obvious where we're leaning doesn't necessarily mean that's who's going to win the war that's who we'd I'm like to see sure win the war, who we it's going to be uh, whoever we say is going to win is going to win you know what maybe for you but whatever i said it's always a 50 50 as well like most of my predictions I, I i was even on twitter here earlier and someone's like oh look at this guy with a bad take even worse facial hair i'm like hey 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 Trust me, I got a lot worse takes than this, but leave the mustache out of this, man. Facts. Leave the mustache out. No one can we ever say not, anything about the stash. We do not need mustache envy ruining Twitter relationships. I'm sorry. This is the duster that the good Lord blessed me with, okay? It, it's that simple. But blessings. The, the New York Jets draft class last year, plenty of blessings in it. They've got themselves a defensive rookie of the year candidate, an offensive rookie of the year candidate. But for those defensive rookie of the years, Aiden Hutchinson, Sauce Gardner, Tariq Woolen, who no one probably even had on their radar as a potential defensive player of the year. I mean, Kevin Thibodeau, he was probably one of those guys up near the top. I mean, I don't know how you go away from Sauce Gardner and what he was able to do. Literally the only all pro as a rookie in this, right. this season. So, I mean, if you're the only all pro and – None of these other rookies are all pros. I mean, that's going to tell me that that award is basically yours. No, Sauce Gartner was locking down every receiver every week, no matter who. He was following the best receiver around as a rookie. Uh, you get one of these corners like every 10 years. Like, you know what I mean? He's a Dion. He's cut from that cloth. He's cut from the cloth of a uh, Revis. He's cut from the, like where you can put him on the field. He's going to you got to do something with the other half of the field. You don't even look his way. So, yeah, they great job with picking sauce. I thought he wasn't going to be as good because it was a little too saucy, a little too flashy for my taste, but he came out and, and, and performed. I think he deserves that uh, rookie of the year, the defensive rookie of the year. Walking the walk, talking the talk, whatever sauce says, he was coming through in yep. the end. And you know what? This Jets secondary – I love it, man. DJ Reed, Michael Carter. I mean, these guys can lock you up in the slot. They can lock you up on the outside. There's really nowhere to throw the ball when you play against the New York Jets. So this is one of those teams that's simply on the rise. I think we're all in agreement there when it comes to that defensive rookie of the year. Now, flipping our attention to the offensive rookie of the year, Garrett Wilson's name comes up. Kenneth Walker's name comes up. Brees Hall's name probably could have came up if it wasn't for that ACL right, injury. Right. And then Brock Purdy, who plays half a season, finds mm -hmm. himself as probably the favorite to win this award. I mean, when he came in, he threw 13 touchdowns, which is, I think, more than any other quarterback once he became the starter for the San Francisco 49ers. So that's going to kind of make this a little bit more confusing for maybe some of the voters. I mean, hey, after watching Major League Baseball basically vote in Scott Rowland to the Hall of Fame, this is the Hall of Fame. This isn't the Hall of Very Good, but they let Scott <laughs> Rowland into the Hall of Fame. I don't trust people in their voting, right? I just don't. I have trust issues to begin with. This is one of the reasons why. Now, when I look at this award, Chris Olave not even nominated. Right. That one, that one stinks because for me, Chris Olave, with all due respect to Garrett Wilson, was perhaps the best wide no, receiver in this class. I think he's the best, yeah. I mean, you look at the uh, yards per game, because I think Olave missed a few more games compared to Wilson, and they were within, I think, oh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it was like within 50 yards receiving of one another, one way or the other, both over 1,000 yards receiving. So both very good years, and Olave just didn't play as many games. Kenneth Walker... He came on the season late, waited for this Rashad Penny injury to kind of unfold for him to get his opportunity. So really, Wilson was the only one to kind of stay healthy out of these three finalists. But for me, Chris Olave would be my winner of this award. But when I look at this, I don't want to give it to Purdy because a half a season. Right. I don't, as good as it has been, 
there's always going to be these questions about the, the system in San Francisco making the quarterback. We saw Jimmy Garoppolo have success. Really, the only quarterback that hasn't had success in this system is the quarterback that basically traded three first-round picks to move up and get, and that was Trey Lance, who we really even have we haven't even really seen him in this system. So that's going to make things interesting in the offseason, what they do with Brock Purdy and what his how far he could take this team and where Trey Lance is when the offseason unfolds. For me, though, of these three, I have to give it to Garrett Wilson because he, he's been there the entire season. He played the entire season. So for the Jets, they end up with two Rookie of the Years this season for me. What about you? Man, like, ugh. I got the stats here. Garrett Wilson, 57 catches, 790 yards. Chris Olave, 60 catches, 887 yards, three TDs versus uh, Wilson's four TDs. So, like you said, it, it was pretty tight there. I think Chris Olave had more of a effect on the games. To me, Wilson's stats kind of felt like uh, like trash time, garbage time stats. And people left out Damian Pierce. He ran for 861 yards, you know, so and four, uh, four TDs as well. But, you know me, I got to go with the running backs, man. So I'm going a, I'm to a give mine out of those three, I'm going to give it to, to Kenneth Walker. It's hard, to, season, it's hard man. to blame him because he was the focal point of that offense, right? Right. For all intents and purposes, it came and started with that. I mean, there's DK Metcalf, there's Tyler Lockett, but the run game was top priority there in Seattle. Now, you mentioned Olave and Wilson. I don't know where those numbers came from, but when I look at this, Wilson is 17 games, 1,103 yards receiving on 83 receptions. Gosh. That worked out about 64.9 yards per game. Well, Chris Olave in 15 games, had 1,042 yards on 72 receptions, which works out to 69.5 yards per game. That's so, weird. I got this from ESPN, man. ESPN, y'all need to, like, fix your stuff, bro. What's going on here, man? Making me look bad out here. That's all right. Hey, you know what? I'm here. I got you covered. I got you covered. It's like a little zone defense here. Don't you worry <laughs> about it. I got, I got you over the top. Like, like we work at Best Buy or something, right? Absolutely. Or Tim Hortons. Best Canadian coffee out there. Look at that. A little, little Canadian love there on my Tim Hortons here at whatever time we're recording at 10.30 p.m. on a Wednesday night. Now, go. Defensive Player of the Year. You mm. know I'm going to have a problem with this no matter what. We got Nick Bosa. Nick mm. Bosa was a man-child out there. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Again, on this show, we don't fact-check a whole lot on this show, but Sauce Gardner, he was basically – piss test like six or seven times this season <laughs> nick bosa that looks like the incredible hulk right never had a piss test all season come on you cannot tell me that works out the same <laughs> i wonder, the I, wonder why. I wonder why the dude's biceps have biceps for crying out loud <laughs> and he's not getting tested now the other the, now the other nominees here Micah Parsons, absolutely. You can't argue. Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa, for me, are were two and three in this category. Mm. So I, I got a little bit of a, hey, I'll give my homerism here. And you know what? I can, I can justify it. Chris Jones, good player, difference maker. He's going to have to be the X factor for the Chiefs on Sunday against his Bengals team, getting that pressure in the middle. But come on. Max Crosby snubbed again. <laughs> Who did he piss off in the NFL front offices? The All-Pro nomination didn't go to him. It went to Miles Garrett. I mean, he wasn't even nominated. Like, it makes All-Pro first team AP. None of that. None of that. All due respect. I find myself saying that a lot just so I don't catch too much flack from the rest of the world. Okay. Max Crosby did <laughs> just about the same as these other candidates and he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves because of it. And one person that I don't think it's nearly the, the enough recognition for what they do and what they mean to this show is the one and the only Mrs. It's Tara time. Tara Roberts. Boom. It's Tara time here on the Viper cast. I'm That's not good lighting. Too. Good light. It's good lighting. Hey, everyone looks good today. Everyone looks good. Yeah. Now, for me, it's probably going to be Nick Bosa. I mean, he was a difference maker all season long. Micah Parsons, I would make that argument for, but I'm just trying to give Max Crosby a little bit of love on the defensive. But he's not, he's not on the, the list. He's not, he's on, not the list. on the list. I, I feel like three, that who, you, who you got? 
Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say when it's all said and done, it's going to be, for me, the biggest difference maker on this group was probably Micah Parsons. I mean, you had to account for him everywhere, the pressures of this and that. For me, defensive player of the year of this group is Micah Parsons. Tara, who's your defensive player of the year? Oh, you put me on the spot after your yeah. smooth transition. Yeah, you got Parsons, uh, <laughs> you got Bosa, you got Chris Jones. Who you got? Oh, it's going to be Parsons. Um, despite some potential bitter tweets and whatnot, I, I still think it's him. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, to me, defensive players, you got to be a disruptor. And who's the biggest disrupt, uh, disruptor out of these three guys? It has to be Michael Parsons. He's always in the play, around the play. Doesn't matter if it's behind a line of scrimmage or 20 yards down the field. He's always where the ball is. The guy's a maniac. I'm going Parsons. I think this is this is his award for the next like five years. This dude is a maniac. It is not his award for the next five years because Max Crosby is going to get in there and get what he deserves at some point. You want guys who disrupt things. If they get a Max Crosby, another player on that field, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Doris Armstrong, Dante Fowler all had good years on the defensive side of the ball. Nick Bosa has Eric Armstead. He's got Fred Warner, other difference makers on the field that you have to account for. Max Crosby, I mean, Chandler Jones was there, but it wasn't the Chandler Jones that we loved three years ago. I mean, it wasn't. It was just a shell of Chandler Jones. Not quite. He, I mean, he has some big games. He played well, probably more so towards the back end of the season. But Max Crosby's been doing this a la Khalil Mack style here by himself for the last couple of years. And I think... He deserves a little bit more credit than what he'd be, he'd be getting here from the AP, from the fans, for whoever puts these votes together. It doesn't matter. I think that Max Crosby is one of those guys who's criminally underrated. Now, before we get to the NFL MVP, let's talk about the Offensive Player of the Year nomination. Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be on the nomination list. Justin Jefferson and Jalen Hurts. So you got two quarterbacks here and a wide receiver. Uh, now, Tariq Hill's on that list too, right? I think he was originally on that list, and they dwindled it back down to three. So that's kind of what we're working with here. Now, both Hurts, Jefferson, and Mahomes are all in discussion for the NFL MVP as well as Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. We know that the NFL MVP is going to go to a quarterback. I mean, that's just the way it is. Right. So for me, Offensive Player of the Year, again, I feel someone on my Raiders was disrespected. But of this group, I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson. Mm. as the offensive player of the year. But for me, how about Josh Jacobs deserving some nomination major as a running back? You know that he deserves it. You know what the season that he put together for him not to even be nominated as a finalist. Right. I mean, I hate how this is the curse of the Raiders, man. I don't think they they don't like uh, your, your owner out there, man. There's something going on. (laughs) <laughs> I think these offensive awards, these MVP awards, they're catered to the quarterback position. I think that's why we're seeing more players, skill position players there at the wide receiver position, at the running back position, win this offensive player of the year award more so than the MVP. But for me, it's Justin Jefferson, what he was able to do there. Tara, who do you got? Uh, I, I wanted to go to Jalen Hurts. I don't know if it will, um, just because, again, you know, unfortunately, I think the injury there kind of took a little steam out of his um, boat, a little steam out of his uh, out of his engine. Sorry, engine. Yes. Uh, sorry. It's like su- super old reference. Um, yeah. And it'll probably be Mahomes. I don't I, I personally can't give it to Jefferson. I understand, you know. There's been some, you know, talk around frustrations about how it's essentially a quarterback award. Um, but for me, Jefferson, unfortunately, he just kind of he. If you're able to get shut down multiple times throughout the year, I don't mm-hmm. know if I can give you that MVP award. You're a fantastic player, but I don't think when we look at a caliber, we like maybe compare it to, you know, Cooper Cup of last year. There weren't situations where Cooper Cup was getting shut down. Unfortunately, with Jefferson, it happened multiple times this year. So I just don't think it's really comparable. I hate to kind of put him away. He's still, you know, um, 
the best receiver, in my opinion, this year. But I still lean towards going ahead with uh, a quarterback just because we have two guys in Mahomes and Jalen Hurts that just, you know, performed in such a dominating manner. So I, I would prefer it to go to Hurts. I think it was a fantastic season. So I really think he just kind of elevated his game to an unbelievable level. Um, but my guess is probably Mahomes. Um, you know, I don't... <sighs> I wish that running backs could be in a little bit more consideration for some reason with defense. I think it's kind of easy. Yeah. I feel feel like with defense that it's easier um, for them to give it to players that aren't necessarily on teams that are as dominant. Like they want to give it to a quarterback on a team that is driving to the Super Bowl. They're more willing to not do that with defensive players. And for some reason, um, I don't know with running backs, you just, you don't dominate in that same kind of fashion that a quarterback can and just drive your team in the same way. So you just kind of get knocked out of consideration really. So uh, I guess that was a long winded way to say hurts, but <laughs> yeah, that's it for me. Yeah. Before I give you mine, quick question for you, Tara. Like, so with Jefferson, him being shut down, was that his fault or was that quarterback play? No, I think it was defensive play. Um, really? Unfortunately, he's, he, he is not, defensive proof within the scheme if that makes sense but it's weird because you know we've got the scheme in theory came over from LA and Cooper Cup was in that system and we didn't see that same so I'm not saying like hey you're not on Cooper Cup's level but I'm saying it is kind of like it's a knock I have to kind of knock you there that you couldn't um perform on that same level in my opinion Uh, I'll take that so you know with that being said I'm gonna go with Jalen Hurts as well at the beginning of the season, the season, there were talks about him getting traded or him having to compete for the uh, starting quarterback job. Or He wasn't the man there, and he showed that he was the man. They gave him a receiver. They gave him two receivers, and he actually showed what he can do in the air, on the ground. Uh, he's taking that team deep into the playoffs. Like You got to respect that, man. You know, Mahomes. Uh, he's he's always going to be there. I know it's kind of messed up, but it's like hey, you know, let's share share the word a little bit. He can win it every single year. He's just that good. Um, I, I you know I love Jefferson as well. I don't know if I like the Cooper Cup comparison thing where he. Uh, I don't know if I like all that, but you know I'm a I'm gonna go with Jalen Hurts on this one. So then. Can I translate that Offensive Player of the Year into the NFL MVP award for Jalen Hurts for both of you guys? How you'd like to see it. I mean, I think we're all in agreement that we think Patrick Mahomes is going to win the NFL MVP. I think you guys kind of want to go with Jalen Hurts winning it is what you'd like to see. I mean, if you look at it, Jalen Hurts was 14-1 and this season. Right. The two losses, the, the Eagles finished at 14-3. and They were 0-2 without Jalen Hurts. So we know that they weren't able to win a game without Jalen Hurts in the lineup. So for me, I mean, I'm sure the Chiefs would be in the same boat where they probably wouldn't win what they're winning without Patrick Mahomes, as good as Chad Henney did when he came in against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think that's going to be sustainable for four, five, six games if Mahomes were to go down. I'm not in on Josh Allen on the MVP candidates. I'm not in on Justin Jefferson on it. Why not not Josh Allen? Because it seems like the NFL – the way they market him and everything, it seems like they're they want him to be that guy. Why? Why do you say you're not in on him? Uh, he was there. He was right. there for probably 14 weeks, and I think once he got that elbow injury, it started to slow down for him. The gotcha. statistics were not quite there. His play started to come down, and it's not a fault of his own. It was the injury to the elbow, and he had to do more things with his legs. I mean, the Bills, they got to give him a little bit more to work with than say Stefan Diggs, so to speak. Maybe a running game would help. Maybe that's where. B, uh, uh, Bijan Robinson comes into play here for the Buffalo Bills in the first round, possibly. I don't know. I doubt they go there. But when you look at this, Joe Burrow, he came on later in the season there, played absolutely unbelievable, maybe the hottest quarterback entering the playoffs. But what Patrick Mahomes did this season, we we don't see that very often. I mean, basically threw for 5,000-plus yards again. That's almost an automatic MVP award in itself. But on the other side, Jalen Hurts did stuff as good, if not better, than what Lamar Jackson did in his 2019 MVP candidacy, right? So you're looking at these two guys that are both more than deserving of the MVP award. I just, you know what? I'll say it. I don't like Patrick Mahomes. I, give it to Jalen Hurts. <laughs> I, 
I don't what like is, him there. Why don't people I like him? I don't like him either. And I don't know why. He's just like weird to me. He's like a weird old dude. I don't know. I don't Aww. know. I think it's the, 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 the hair, maybe the it's voice. The, I don't the know. Voice. It's the voice. Oh, the voice. The frog God. voice. Yeah. <laughs> Clip it. Oh. Catch him with the curl. Catch him with the curl. <laughs> yeah. Give him you a break. Him right on the head. Yeah. It's that, it's, it's he he goes through a lot with his family. Oh, man. Well, you know funny. what? Maybe he is a true M- MVP because we really haven't seen much of his brother or his wife much of this year. So, you know what? Maybe that's why he deserves the MVP award more than anything else right his now. PR team those- should be the, his PR team should be the MVP. I, I think so. You know, they, they put some, some fences up around him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to transition to this QB. We're talking about quarterbacks being MVP front runners. We're talking about quarterbacks being offensive player of the year front runners. We got some quarterback carousels going on here in the offseason that I want to touch on quickly before we go into our conference championship preview portion of the show. And I want to talk about we got we know the Titans. They they're probably done with Ryan Tannehill right now, right? We see, I think we've seen the last of Ryan Tannehill. We know the Raiders, they're looking for a quarterback. We know the Jets, we know the Panthers, we know the Colts, we know the Bucks. We know the Saints. We know the Commanders. Possibly, like the Packers, they could be looking for quarterbacks. We could have all kinds of quarterback controversy, quarterback new faces, new places, however you want to call it here in this offseason. It could get real freaky real quick, and you know we're about the freaky on this show. So I'm going to turn this over to you, Major, right off the get-go. Derek Carr. Yeah. Where does he land in 2023? Whew. Uh... I have no idea. I think this is going to be a very interesting offseason. I can see Derek Carr with the Jets. I don't feel like they, they're all the way in on, on uh, the, the young boy yet. Uh, I can see him in Baltimore if they somehow fumble that situation with Lamar Jackson. I can even see him in L.A. with the Rams. Like I don't think it's, it's like as secure as you think it is with, with, with Stafford. So he has a few options. I know I'm leaving a couple out, but is he may is he the top quarterback out here? He might be the top quarterback in this in this free agency class, right? Well, he's not a free agent. You have to trade for him right now. Uh, he's well, yeah, it's considered a free agent because they have to get rid of him. You know what I mean? They 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 don't have any leverage, so it, they're going to give him away for pennies because he doesn't want to go back there and they don't want him back there. So he's a free agent. I don't think they really have to give him away for pennies there. I mean, I did, I think their leverage is the fact that they can cut him and he can sign wherever he wants or they can trade him. I mean, it doesn't really make a whole heck of a lot of difference to them what they do with him. They know they can't move forward with him anymore, like you said. Exactly. So I think he's still going to get decent draft compensation. It won't be great when we're talking about the quarterback position, but I keep reminding Raiders fans to be careful what you're asking for here. I mean, What's behind door number two might not be what you're wanting. The grass ain't always greener on the other side. We've been hearing this for years and years. It goes over the turf. Sometimes the turf ain't the same where you're going either. So, uh, Tara, we talked about this. We joked about this here, I think, last week's show. I basically, I think it was even me making the comment that Aaron Rodgers may be on the same career trajectory as Brett Favre. We're already hearing that he could be a New York Jet next season which means he's a year away from becoming a minnesota viking if everything kind of works out the way it is and then we know exactly what jordan loves trajectory is going to look like i mean it seems like one revolving door there in green bay we know what's going to happen it's going to be to the new york jets then it's going to be to the minnesota vikings and we know if aaron Rodgers got traded and we know the jets are going to be looking to make a big splash we know they're not going to be afraid to give the packers those two first round picks that we're hearing about well, we also know that Aaron Rodgers, in all his pettiness, he will not blink at the opportunity to come to Detroit, come to Minnesota, to stick it to the Packers when it's all said and done. So, Tara, I ask you this, as our resident Packer fan, where does Aaron Rodgers end up in 2023? I don't believe he'll be in the NFC. I think the Jets makes the most sense. Um, I don't think he will be with the Packers, although I did speculate that last year and I was wrong and (laughs) that was shocking that they uh, gave him the contract that they did to bring him back um yeah no i think he's gone and i think the jets makes the most sense what about retirement where's that in uh, is like 50 50 or is it where where is he at on that 
I think he will make two more attempts before he gives up. Well, we heard on the Pat McAfee show that he was already praising Zach Wilson as a quarterback with the tools. Talked about him when they had the joint practices, they worked out together. He basically said, hey, the Jets, they didn't give him a whole heck of a lot of help. And then he went on to compliment how good Garrett Wilson is and how good that running back is that got hurt, Brees Hall. So he did talk about these Jets playmakers quite a bit on that Pat McAfee show. Now, for me, Geno Smith, he's a free agent. Dude earned himself a bag here yeah. in the offseason. And we love ourselves when players get paid. And Gino, he deserves it, man. Is he going to be back in Seattle? I think he's absolutely going to be back in Seattle. They have, they have to. Yeah. Now, do I think Seattle could make a move? I think they have one of the uh, they have a very good draft pick there, courtesy of uh, I think it's the Jets or something in that uh trade once upon a time there. Uh, I can't remember how it works. So I think the Se- Seattle's up there, right? In the draft. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know where I've seen them all drafts, but I've seen them possibly drafting a quarterback who could be one to two to three years away from playing in the National Football League, and right. that's just perfect for Geno Smith. Geno Smith, he's got two, three, four seasons left in him. That could be the perfect transition to a new quarterback there in Seattle if that's the route that they decide to go to. So I think Geno Smith returns to Seattle this season. So that's for me. Now, Major, uh, what do you do with Trey Lance? We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo take this 49ers team to the conference championship last year. And then they basically said, hey, Jimmy, it's not you. It's us. You know, you're out of here. Yeah. Trey Lance, you're our guy. And then all of a sudden they came with their tail tucked between their legs when Trey Lance got hurt again this season. And it's like, hey, Jimmy, do your thing. Now Brock Purdy is doing something no other rookie's ever done or potentially done because he's now up there with Joe Flacco. And Mark Sanchez as the only rookie quarterbacks to win two playoff games. And he could be the first, he could win a third playoff game here and be the first rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl. So I ask you this if Brock Purdy takes the 49ers to the Super Bowl and maybe even win it, who's the quarterback for the 49ers next season? It'd be Brock for sure. Uh, I mentioned that uh, maybe last week or the week before. If he plays, us into the championship game i think the job is his if he wins the job is his for sure um if he loses this next week i think they battle it out in the offseason um but if i'm the 49ers i'll i'll rock with brock purdy and i'll try to i'll reach out to the raiders and say hey what are you gonna give me for trey lance like you know there's a few teams out there that need a quarterback so um i think you have some traction there and you can also trade jimmy g as well so i think you have and you traded all those picks away for him, so you got to try to get some of that capital back. So, with him and Jimmy G, I think you can get those picks back and more. So, I think the 49ers in, in a good spot. Um, and like I said, the Brock Purdy story is going to be one of those ones you is here forever in football lore if he wins this championship. Because, like you said, being a rookie playing a championship game, all that good stuff, you can't write a better script. Like. And I've been picking my picks like a movie script. So I'm sticking with Brock. And I think he's uh, he's going to be that quarterback next year. I wouldn't doubt if it's Brock Purdy there. And I, I have a hard time believing that Trey Lance can stick around and with Brock Purdy looking over his shoulder, right? I mean, yeah, he has to go. Yeah. But, I mean, the, ca- the cap hmm. hit here alone, you can afford both these quarterbacks. You're not paying them a whole heck of a lot, either one of these quarterbacks. So you could financially keep them both on your roster without it being hurtful to you and if you do trade trey lance there's no way you're going to recoup what you gave up to select him you're not getting three first round picks right honestly i don't know how the nfl views him because we haven't seen him actually really do anything on the field so should yeah, he have the same ceiling he had during the drafting if we haven't seen him do anything yet the problem is we haven't seen him do anything since the year before he came oh, out we didn't of the draft. See him, we didn't see him do anything in the draft. So he has the the athletic ability and all that stuff. But still, the games he did play, though, he looked really good. So I think they do have maybe one, two games of film and some preseason stuff they can kind of chop together, make a good highlight. Go ahead, Trey. I know you got something going. I don't even know if he's worth two-thirds right now. Oh, come on. That's uh, – no, that's that's not mad. Damage goods. Damage goods. <laughs> no. Um, no, this is San Francisco. Um, there is no way. So first of all, um, Jimmy G has the way that he's performed. He is in it and he's a veteran. 
he is going to get paid by somebody. There is no logical reason for um, for San Francisco to do it. So Jimmy, he's out. Um, someone else is going to pay him to come, you know, manage the team. And there is no way that San Francisco then says that they want to exclusively roll with Brock Purdy and trade away Trey Lance. They will keep both quarterbacks on the roster. And I don't really think it matters what happens this weekend or even if they go to the Super Bowl. I don't think that they will outright say, nope, Trey, I'm sorry, you can't compete for this. It's going to be a camp battle regardless of what happens. Um, Trey Lance will get the opportunity. There's too much invested in him to just say, no, you, we, yeah, we made you our quarterback before. But based off the fact that, you know, Somebody else stepped up when you were injured. You just don't get the opportunity to compete. So he's going to, they're going to battle. They're going to battle it out during the off season and in training camp. And I would not be shocked if they both play (laughs) in 2023. I think that's where it's going to end up. They will both stay on the roster. There's no reason for them um, to trade Trey Lance because there's way too much investment made in there for you to just give that up and just take the chance that it's, you know, going to be 100% okay with Brock Purdy. So that's what I think is going to happen. So the only thing I'll push back on that just a little bit, when you have two quarterbacks, say Brock Purdy beats out Trey Lance for the starting job in the offseason, you have now devalued Trey Lance. So now you get those two thirds or whatever Matt is saying. And if he does win out, you if he has a bad play or a bad game, that crowd is going to be yelling, Brock, Brock, Brock. You can't, you that's going to be that's a bad situation for a young quarterback as well. So, you have to, like, I would just get rid and get a veteran, um, a veteran quarterback to back up Brock Purdy uh, or keep Jimmy G to back up Brock Purdy. Even with Jimmy G, it's too much. You got to get someone new in there. So, you can't that competition for young quarterbacks is not healthy at all. We've seen it time and time again. I think. <sighs> I think basically Trey Lance just got himself the Drew Bledsoe treatment here at like 20 right. years of age. No, exactly. Brock Purdy's exactly the new Tom Brady. That's now I'm going to transition that, Tara. I'm transitioning Brock Purdy to Tom Brady. I know Tom Brady doesn't want to talk about it right now. He's too busy getting his kid doing schooling down in Miami and all this other stuff. By the way, people, let the man be. Let him be a father. Let him do his thing down in Miami no. there. If he wants to put his kid in schools in Miami – who cares? Let him do that. He can do what he wants. But Tara, because we are a show that likes to do this, where does Tom Brady end up next season? Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. It's Las Vegas. I've got it's it all mapped Las out. Vegas. We can we can run through. I've hit Matt, exactly where every single one of these smile. quarterbacks you, are going to end up. Smile there, Matt. Did you get excited? Yeah, I did. I know it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a smile of excitement. It's more like a you don't have indigestion. You get a little bit of gas. You get that little <laughs> smile. That's how I feel about Tom Brady becoming coming to the Las Vegas. I mean, I don't like it. I, I said this is what you're basically getting Derek Carr, but like at 45 years old. But, but what do you want them to do? You you, you just want to roll with Stidham? Relax, Trey. I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> I would rather grab okay, one of Jimmy these. G. Find a way, you know, if the draft board fell the way I would hope it would, where you could get a CJ Strode there, maybe sliding to seven, maybe you only have to move up to number five, depending on how the board. I think you have to move up to three, honestly, That's to good. get him. But still, Will Levis is a possibility. And if you do something like that, then maybe you go out there and go with a Jimmy Garoppolo, who's probably going to be a lot cheaper than some of these other options. Aaron Rodgers, I think you're going to have to pay two. I'm not paying two first round picks to bring Aaron Rodgers there for two seasons. Not going to do it. I'm not going to set my franchise back that way. Right. So for me, uh, you know what? I look at this right now. When I break it all down, I, I do believe you, Tara. I, I, and by the way, if you want to know where all these quarterbacks are going to end up, Tara's already got this on her Twitter handle there, at It's Tara Time. She already did like a TikTok video on the whole thing. But I'm going to say, I'm going to go, Brady is going to the Raiders. I'm going to go Rodgers to the Jets. That means Rogers. Jordan Love there. He is going to be the Packers quarterback. Derek Carr is going to end up in Washington with the Commanders. Mm. Lamar Jackson. Mm. I've been saying this for all of Baltimore. You dropped the ball. Major said if Baltimore drops the ball, I can see how this – Baltimore, you've dropped the ball. I don't even – it's done. Right. Lamar Jackson, he's already going to Atlanta. He's going to be a Falcon. That's the bottom That's line. Him. Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Lamar Jackson, Tyler Algier in the backfield. Best mm-hmm. offensive talent assembled that Jackson has ever worked with. 
And then Jimmy Garoppolo, I think he goes to the Colts because the Colts do these kind of things. They do these things. Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, Jimmy Garoppolo. He, he's got the smile that works for him in Indianapolis. Now, what we know that Indianapolis, they're not going to be anywhere near the conference championships anytime soon. So I want to talk about these games here real quick, get some predictions, get your guys' thoughts here on these games. The Bengals head into Arrowhead as a one-point favorite right now. Probably a little bit because of the whole ankle sprain situation right. that Patrick Mahomes is dealing with. B.J. Hill, uh, D.J. Reader, these are guys that, in the interior of this Bengals defensive line that can push the pocket. And a quarterback's worst enemy is that pressure up the middle. And that's something that the Bengals can do very well. They got Sam Hubbard, they got Trey Hendrickson on the outside. We know that the Bengals can score as good as anybody. I mean, they can put that ball out there, and we know what they're capable of doing. We also know that Joe Burrow has been quick as anybody is getting that ball out of his hands. I think in the regular season, he was getting the ball from snap to release out in 2.55 seconds, which was just behind Tom Brady. In the Baltimore Ravens wildcard round, he was getting that ball out in 2.39 seconds. Even though the Chiefs had 55 sacks this season, which is the second most in the National Football League, if a quarterback is getting the ball out in 2.39 seconds, that pressure, it's not going to matter. You're not going to get there in 2.39 seconds. So I ask you this, Major, when we look at the Bengals, when we look at the Chiefs, how do you see this game shaping out? I actually had the Bills winning this one, but, you know, that kind of messed my whole thing up there. Um, so I'm going to go with the Bengals. Like, it seems like we got the playoff Joe out here. Like, this guy is going to perform every single time, like, towards the end of the season, into the playoffs. He's going to catch fire, and he's going to he's gonna ball out. He's shown it last year. He's shown it again. And that ankle, I think, is a lot worse than what what they let us know. I think they're going to give him the quarter zone shot and all that stuff. He's going to be able to do it. But a quarterback legs are almost as important as the arm, especially that back leg. That's where you get your power. That's where you get the uh, you generate the the force to throw the ball down the field. I think that's going to hurt them a lot. Um, I did like Pacheco how he. They kind of gave him the game towards the end, and he was actually balling. I don't like his running style. I still don't like his running style, but he he proved a lot to me. He was like out there balling. So, but if the Bengals got too many weapons on on offense, that defense is good enough. I, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Bengals. And you said at one point, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Bengals. Yeah, and when we look at this tariff from the other side of things, there we know. That Joe Burrow has more nicknames than the the Chiefs have victories over Joe Burrow. I mean, we got Joe Cool, we got Snow Burrow, we got. I mean, it's playoff Joe. Playoff Joe, whatever you want to go with. There's so <laughs> many Joe nicknames Shiesty. for Joe Burrow. Joe Shiesty. He is three and zero. Bottom line is he's three and zero against this Chiefs team going back to last season. I mean, he's got the Chiefs number. So I ask you this here, Terry, before you answer this question. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have gone to the AFC Conference Championships five years in a row with only one Super Bowl to their credit. Now, other quarterback coach times that have done something similar, we know Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, they accomplished this eight times. Kenny Stabler and John Madden, they got to the Conference Championships five times. If Joe Burr, uh, sorry, if Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid can't win a Super Bowl, is it all for naught at this point? Five Conference Championships, one Super Bowl to their credit. And then when we look at stats and facts, because people like that kind of stuff, we talk about the numbers, the numbers inside the numbers. Well, Travis Kelsey, I think he's got like 95 plus yards receiving in seven straight playoff games. He's got a touchdown in six of those seven contests. And if you look at it, I think 14 receptions last week was a tight end record and a quarterback that can't get the ball down the field. This is going to be one of those Travis Kelsey type contests for the Chiefs. Even though back in week 13, the Bengals limited Kelsey to four catches and 56 yards. So, Tara, is there a way that the Chiefs win this game? Are you picking the Chiefs? Yeah, I am. Um, it's not too confident. No, I, I am confident. Um, the ankle did throw, you know, a, a wrench in things. The Chiefs were my Super Bowl pick, but the ankle did kind of throw a little wrench in there. But it's Patrick Mahomes. If there's anybody, if there's any mobile quarterback that can transition into being limited into a pure pocket passer and still be just as successful. It's, it's Patrick Mahomes. He, he can still perform at a high level. So not a mobile uh, quarterback, but continue. 
He's not oh, a mobile quarterback. He is not a mobile quarterback. I would say that Patrick mm, Mahomes can create on the run I as well as any quarterback in the league. He gets his running I feel like yards. No, I feel like maybe are you mincing words? Like he, like a no. like a like a running quarterback like Lamar versus a like he's one hundred percent a mobile quarterback. I don't. He has like women hips and he's like knock kneed. He's not as athletic. <laughs> He's not. He's not athletic. He's not. He can get a first down running just because the receivers take the DBs and everyone like 20, 30 yards down the field, and it's all this open field because it's a wide open offense. Like he's his running is like baked into the offensive scheme. He's no one's calling a run play for him. When's the last time they called a run and play for him? I think I would, I Patrick like Mahomes is the type of quarterback. To- yeah, Tara, I'm with you here. I, I'm like, I got the same look going on that you got going on. If you, he is as good at creating on the run as any quarterback. You get him outside. I think teams would rather creating keep on a run in the pocket. That. Yeah, but here's the thing: he's mobile enough to get out of the pocket, and that's the last place you want Patrick Mahomes as a defense is to get him on the outside. Once he gets outside, that's when he starts going like behind the back throws and making all these weird. You hold him to do that. That's when he throws all his hey. interceptions. That's what he gets. That's what the playground. That's what Pedro he gets one highlight and they play it. He gets one highlight. They play it over and over again on a commercial. So we think he's doing all this spectacular stuff. But all those no look passes, they fall incomplete or interceptions. The are you calling? Time. Are you calling Patrick Mahomes a social media quarterback? I was not, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still in it. But I don't know how to take any of this. This is so this well, is mobile, a, wow. mobile quarterbacks. Mahomes or okay, well, you guys no. almost made me say it. I was about to Come say it. Me, I'm gonna say give me Daniel a list Jones. of who you taking mobile quarterback, Daniel Jones or Patrick Mahomes. Wait, wait, wait. Time out. Are you, are you, let me clarify. Are you saying who is the better runner? Or are you saying who is the more dynamic quarterback when they are mobile? Mm, I'm leaning more towards the running part. Because well, a mobile quarterback rushing, to me is someone who can get out out the pocket. He yeah. can throw. He can throw outside the pocket, and he can also run and make people miss. And I'm do all going that to say, stuff. I'm going to say that Patrick Mahomes is more of a mobile quarterback than Daniel Jones. And I'm going to say one step further. I'm going to say that Patrick Mahomes creates more yardage from his legs than Daniel Jones because he, when he runs, when he gets out of the pocket, he's creating yards with his arms because of his ability to get out of the pocket. So by that definition there, I would say that his mobility, Patrick Mahomes' mobility, is creating more yards than Daniel Jones's does. So mobility to you guys is I can run and scramble. I can scramble well. Is that what we're saying? I think think if Patrick Mahomes wanted to, he could pick up a lot more yards with his legs. Instead, he chooses to throw the ball. You seen the guy run? Watch watch this week how he runs in his knees and and like his hips. It's like the funniest stuff ever. They don't ask you how. They but ask you how many major. You know how this yeah, works. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. What is? It doesn't have to look like he's running a hundred yard dash. I mean, he's yes, it does. When you it run, it, you should look like you're running, no. not like you're like prancing hey, or doing something. Major, <laughs> after I finish this coffee, watch me run to the washroom. And it doesn't matter how I get there, as long as I get there. That is the that's, bottom line. That's gonna be a sad sight, man. <laughs> but I, I, major, I. Sorry, I'm I'm thrown because yeah. didn't you try to convince me like a month ago that Joe Burrow was a running quarterback? Yeah, well, maybe two or three months Uh-oh. ago, but Joe Burrow, he can I think he's a better mobile quarterback than Mahomes. I don't see any difference. I give that to I you. Say, like, I, I say, give that to like, you. They are similar in if for the those style quarterbacks, I give that to you. I think you we have running quarterbacks. We've got, you know, running quarterbacks. So who's a running know, quarterback? Justin, I'm so confused. Justin Fields, Le- Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Those are the, to me, that's Jones. mobile quarterback. Those are, no, those are running quarterbacks. Those are those are running. Those are quarterbacks, quarterbacks who can run. We got to get the words. We got to get the words right. Comments below. You're listening to the show. What, what, what timeout? Because I don't like. No, 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 let, me, let me let me finish. Let me finish. Oh, okay, go those, ahead, are, go those ahead. are the running quarterbacks, right? And then you have, and then you have mobile quarterbacks that are willing to run and can create, and that that would be a Patrick Mahomes. That would be a Joe Burrow. I that's a that's a Trevor Lawrence. You know, where's Josh Allen at? 
he's a running quarterback. That's a running quarterback. <laughs> when okay. you, <laughs> I see what you're saying. So my definition was just different than your definition, but I think we're just saying the same thing. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm back. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm glad we proved Major wrong and Tara's wrong because Hootay is going to the Super Bowl back-to-back years. I'm taking the Bengals as well. Now, let's turn our attention to the NFC, and we're going to start with Tara this time. We've got the 49ers heading to Philadelphia. Currently right now, the Eagles, they were three-point favorites. It's down to two and a half. The over-under is set at 45 and a half. By the way, the Bengals Chiefs, that's set at 46 and a half right now. So we've got this going on, Tara. Who do you got, the 49ers or the Eagles this week? It's the Eagles. I, I mean, just they're firing on all cylinders. They, no, it's, I'm sorry, Major. I know that you're that's your team, but the Eagles are just. This is. I when I look at um, when I look at the matchups here, I can't help but say, like, is this just like a insert Eagles in place of? the Rams and we're going to have a Eagles Super Bowl because this is the exact same thing as last year. We're just sans the Rams and we've got the Eagles now. I, I, you know, if they, if the matchup is chiefs and Eagles, now I'm looking at this, you know, Patrick Mahomes injury and the way that the, that Jalen hurts has come back. I don't know, man, I'm looking at this could be another Philadelphia Super Bowl. Wow. Those that 49er defense is different. That defense is different. It's been the number one defense all year. They know how to contain the quarterbacks. They know how to cover the receivers. That defense is going to win this game for the 49ers. If Brock Purdy does not, like, turn the ball over, um, you got Christian McCaffrey. He's I think he's going to have a big game. And uh, I think Brandon Ayuk is going to have a big game as well. So... I don't know, man. These Niners, man, it's it's a different type of team. It's gritty. It's a grittier. It's not as it's not as shiny as it used to be. I like this dirty, grimy, punch you in the face 49ers team, you know? I mean, most people don't even know what FTTB means right now, right? Uh, I had Google faithful to the Bay. Uh, hey, I'm glad that you're faithful to the Bay right now because I just don't see it. The only way that you're going to have success against this Eagles team is if you find success in the run game. And I don't think Christian McCaffrey's ready. I mean, the dude was stretching out that calf. He's had like some sort of calf warmer on the whole time. He's not practicing this okay, week. Eli Mitchell. He was ineffective, ineffective last week in the run game, 35 yards. Elijah Mitchell, he's missing practice this week too. He's banged up, which is basically everybody's saying water up. is wet. Yeah, everyone's banged up so, right now, Matt. I think Elijah Mitchell outperforms Christian McCaffrey this week in this game because I don't think Christian McCaffrey is right. I really don't. I don't know why the Giants got away from the run game. Probably because they were already down 28 points at halftime. That's That's probably a good reason as any. But Barkley was basically averaging 6.9 yards per attempt in that contest. They only gave him nine carries on the ground. You want to talk about difference makers. The Eagles have allowed 121 yards per game in the run game. And that number includes before Linville Joseph, before Ndamukong Sue, while Jordan Davis was injured. Guess what? They're all there. This Eagles front is eight deep. They are coming at you fresh. They had four players with 10 or more sacks. And the problem we saw with the 49ers, and I think Brock Purdy more than anything, was exposed by the Cowboys pass rush last week. Brock mm. Purdy, he looked like a rookie. He did. Let's call it the way it is. He looked like a rookie last week against the 49ers. Let's go ahead. You know what? Another one of those players that's disrespected when we're talking about defensive player of the year. How about Hassan Reddick? 17 and a half sacks. Right. Are you kidding me? Four Eagles, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham. I mean, Javon Hargrave. These guys are coming after the quarterback from the outside, from the edge, from the inside. It doesn't matter. They're coming from everywhere. They have a more ex- 70 sacks this season. 70. Brock Purdy's no Joe Burrow. He's not getting that ball in 2.39 seconds. He's going to have to get out in 2.15 seconds to avoid this all contest long. It's it's just, it's the nature of the beast. And, I mean, this Eagles team, 70 sacks. Kansas City had the second most at 55. That's 15 sacks difference between the top sacking Eagles team and the number two team in the Kansas City Chiefs. My problem with this whole thing is Trent. there's only one Trent Williams out there. If mm-hmm. the Eagles had five of them, if the Eagles had five Trent Williams, completely different story. Trent Williams is a man mountain. Let's call it the way it is. He he can handle his own. 
But these Eagles, they're coming at you, coming at you, coming at you. He's going to have Sweet. He's going to have Graham. He's going to be matched up with Hassan Reddick at times. Different types of styles of pass rushers. It's not just a bull rush. It's not just a swim. It's not just a speed move. He's going to have to handle it all, and it's going to be changing up on him constantly. So even his side, he's going to be struggling. So the 49ers are going to have to keep their four, their running backs in to help block and hope that their yak game, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, these guys can create yards after the catch if they can get the ball to them, if they have time to get the ball to them because they didn't last week. But who right? can scheme – if any coach can scheme a ball getting to Debo or whoever – isn't that Shanahan? That's what he does. He schemes things open. Like that's his like call to fame. Like they're going to get open. But let me give a little love to Miles Sanders because he was balling last week. That dude was running the rock. If you ever want to see like what running backs do, like a art of running back, he was doing it. His balance, his 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 vision, his patience. This burst like that dude was balling. I was excited watching him last week, and I, I don't really give him as much love as I should. But he's uh that man's a good running back over there. But you guys kind of convinced me a little he, bit. He but... didn't even lead the team in rushing yards. It was Kenneth Gainwell. Yeah, 112 yards on 10 carries. Gainwell was popping against yeah. the Giants. I mean, a lot of a dirty a cleanup duty there. Miles Sanders, he had the first half, and then I think that I can't remember what the splits were, but like it was like 15 to 7 and a combined right. 7 between Boston and Scott. I'm just talking and, style though. Yeah. But this, this is going to be so fun. I mean, I as a guy a that loves defense, you've got the strength of the 49ers being their run defense. The Eagles, they they can beat you. They can beat you on the run or they can beat you in the pass because they're one of the best running teams. They come at you with four different guys who can run the ball. So we trust all very unique. We 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 trust Hurts as a passing quarterback now. Is that what we're saying? I think I could trust him enough to get the job done against his 49ers secondary, especially on the deep to intermediate throws. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Cause when you look at this kind of stuff, we know the 49ers, they're number one when it comes to short yard throws, those are those dink and dunk type things. But AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, sell 21% and 14% of the targets, 20 plus yards down the field. And they both posted a dots of 12.1 and 9.6 this season. When defending this type of route, the 49ers secondary, they're in the bottom 10 in the National Football League. Those are stats I looked up. I dug this stuff up, man. I looked at this research. Look but at what C.D. Lamb did. Demidore Lenore is going to get picked apart this week. We yeah. saw C.D. Lamb do it from the slot. We saw C.D. Lamb do it from the outside. There's no doubt that A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith can't have similar type production. And unlike the Cowboys, there's actually two receivers in Philadelphia. Oh. Bosa is going to be the MVP of this game. Bosa is going to have to do something. If, if this team, Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa, are going to have to make a difference on that line, because I'm telling Go you, ahead, the Sarah, get... say something that's going to be crazy. You seem like you have something to say. Nothing if crazy. Eagles can't get the run game going. They're going to throw it on them. It's that simple. Jimmy Ward is a liability in the nickel. I'll say it right now. CD Lab took advantage of him in the nickel. Demidor mm -hmm. Lenore was taking advantage on the boundary. I don't see a way that the 49ers, unless Bosa is in that backfield all game long. I don't think he will be. I don't think they he have, will be either. It's a, it's a strong he, offensive line. They have the their so. Line. Go ahead. Yeah, they're, they're just, they're, the team as a whole, they're just so well-rounded. The offensive line is strong. And I love Bosa. Um, I mean, he'll obviously make it difficult, but I think that they'll be able to put up, put up a strong battle. And, you know, no offense to Michael Gallup. Matt is, Matt is right. Uh, so it's a little bit different when you've got AJ Brown and Devonta Smith coming at you. That's different. <laughs> but we just going to poo on Debo and and Brandon Ayuk and Kittle. No, I mean, we're not. The, the so Dallas Cowboys seemed to the last week. Ooh, uh, we're not. Uh, we're not. We're not saying that. We're just saying that this will. This defense is not going to shut down Philadelphia. And yes, we do trust Jalen Hurts as a passer. He doesn't do it to the volume that a Patrick Mahomes does, but his completion percentage, perfectly fine. Right on a little bit higher than Patrick Mahomes. In fact, have yards per attempt, he throws, you know, again, very similar, a little bit higher than Patrick Mahomes. So he's, he's fine as a passer. He knows how to utilize his threats. He just doesn't have to at the same rate because their offense isn't designed that way and they rely heavily um, on ground performance as well. I mean, yeah. I think it comes down to this, this, this 49ers offensive line. That's the key to this game. 
if they can somehow slow down or stop this pass rush, what they weren't really able to do against the Cowboys last week, if they can stop that and allow Brock Purdy to have some time in that pocket where he can make these throws to Debo Samuel, to make these throws to Brandon Ayuk, then the 49ers could find themselves in a favorable position. I just don't see this line holding up against this this eight man front that the Eagles could throw at you. I just don't, I just don't see how lasting four quarters with this kind of pressure, but if they can, there is a possibility that the 49ers can win. I think this game's I'll take the three points, two and a half points. I think it's going to be a lot more for the Eagles. I really do. And I think that the 49ers are going to have to try and find a way to score more than 19 points. 19 points is not going to get it done against this Eagles offense it, it, it's not but man especially if- uh, oh, my bad i'm gonna cut you but you said it earlier the 49ers are known for that deacon dunk pass and the best way to like beat a pa- a great pass rush like you're talking about like the philadelphia eagles has is those short passes out the backfield with the running backs the little seam routes i mean the little seam routes with the tight ends the uh the 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 little short routes by the receivers i can't even get all the routes right now but that their offense is built to beat the Eagles. See like, here, the major the the Eagles are actually built to beat the 49ers. You look at George Kittle, Chauncey Gardner Johnson led the league, tied for the league league in interceptions, missing five games this season. He's him, Marcus Epps. These guys are going to be the guys kind of responsible for uh, George Kittle out of the backfield. Then you've got Darius Slay and James Bradbury on the outside boundaries, perhaps two of the best cornerbacks in the game let alone one of the best combinations of cornerbacks in the game. The one area that the, the 49ers may be able to expose, and if this is they have to have time to do it, is in the slot. Avante Maddox, he missed last week dealing with that toe injury. And if Richie James didn't forget how to catch the ball, he would have had a big game out of the slot for the New York Giants. He had a couple of drop balls that absolutely crushed the Giants there. I know it was in garbage time, so to speak, but that's one area that you can expose the Eagles is out of the slot. And basically it is the path of least resistance Debo's in the passing game. Debo's going to be in a slot. Like, come on. Debo's going to be wherever he could possibly be. But I just, I don't, you got to get, you have to get time to get the ball to these playmakers. That's the bottom line. And I don't think the time is going to be there. You want to talk about comeback player of the year. Brendan Graham's a guy who's been disrespected too. The guy had an Achilles, tore his Achilles last year, and then right. posted a career high in sacks this season. So, I mean, this. I'm not even an Eagles fan, but I sound like an Eagles fan right now. You well, have the like, Eagles I'm, I'm, I'm jersey on, dude. Like, what are you I, talking? I'm about? wearing it's it's American Eagle. Okay, it's a, it's a brand. It's not the <laughs> it's, Philadelphia it's Eagles. Close it's enough, American dude. Eagle. Close I, enough. Maybe maybe American Eagle believes that the Philadelphia Eagles are truly America's team, like Nick Bosa, right? So, yeah. with that all being said, this has been a fantastic show once again, and. I am so proud that we proved Major wrong at every single turn this week, except for his Bengals winning prediction, we'll see which next I think week. is 100% accurate. We'll see next week. Yeah, well, we will see. I mean, I can't wait for the show next week. Uh, just a quick touchdown, Major. I will give you some kudos here right now. You are leading our three-person uh, draft right now, 264.98 points. However, you're down to Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. It's okay. Sarah, you're at 235.24. However, you've got Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Jet McKinnon, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Travis Kelsey still left. And I, like usual in these things, am in the rear at 217 points with Jalen Hurts, Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and Debo Samuel still to go. Major, it's not looking good for you, buddy. You started off strong. It ain't how you start, it's how you finish. And we are finishing off strong this week on the Vipercast presented by the Fancy Points Media Group. Head over there today, get 30% off before the Super Bowl. And you can thank us all a little bit later. And we will see you next week when the Bengals and the Eagles punch their tickets to the Super Bowl. That sounds like a whack Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs>